Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. My name is Mike. Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food and culture and art every Thursday evening at 6.30. Chickens are going to feature heavily in today's show. We've got some very heavy chicken energy going down, I'm telling you, for the next half hour. Chickens were big last week on the show, and they're even bigger now. They've had a lot to eat, so they're just going to totally dominate things. First of all, before we move on and talk about such things as chickens in space, for instance, and holiday issues involving rabbits and gefilte fish and stuff, first of all, this piece from Colombia reports, I have a friend in Colombia. I wish I could go there someday, but I have not been. And I'd definitely like to go to the Medellin Medellin Modern Art Museum in Colombia because of this story. Medellin Chicken Eats Part of Senior Artist's Piece. This is from Columbia Reports on April 10th. An an intentionally released chicken, I'll say it again, an intentionally released chicken ate part of a pile of corn that was exposed as part of, as posed, (laughs) see this chicken in my mouth is, an intentionally released chicken ate part of a pile of corn that was exposed as art at the Medellin Modern Art Museum. The chicken belonged to aspiring Medellin artist Daniel Escobar, who released his feathered friend to enjoy the artwork of the locally renowned Medellin artist Carlos Uribe. The chicken's feeding binge slash act of vandalism was filmed by the young artist himself in March as part of a university project in which he wanted to question the definition of art. His university project was supposed to, quote, question what should be considered a piece that is considered art within the confinement of a museum, unquote. The chicken's corn binge caused confusion among the guards, who apparently hadn't seen a problem in allowing the animal entry to the museum. In the video shot by Escobar, a guard is heard telling the artist that if you don't have permission, you can't just release it like that. You just can't. Following a few minutes of apparent confusion, one museum employee was able to carefully push the chicken off the top of the artsy corn pile. Museum director Maria Mercedes Gonzalez confirmed that Escobar should have asked permission to release the chicken. Says Escobar in, to the senior artist in an explanation of his action, I don't find it very outlandish that a chicken goes to a modern art museum if there is a big pile of corn. I think it's a very basic association. Mountain, corn, hen. Aribe reportedly never responded to that artist. Well, we have a response from Cab Calloway as to what the essential nature of a chicken is. Cab, what do you got to say? Talking about chicken. Chicken's a popular word. 
But anywhere you go, you're bound to find A chicken ain't nothing but a bird Some people call it a fowl That's the story I heard But let them call it this and let them call it that A chicken ain't nothing but a bird You can boil it, roast it, broil it Cook it in a pan or a pot Eat it with potatoes, rice or tomatoes The chicken's still what you got Boy, it was a dish for old Caesar Also King Henry III But Columbus was smart, said you can't fool me A chicken ain't nothing but a bird is the very chickenness of chicken. It ain't nothing but a bird, says the great philosopher Cab Calloway from his album, Are You Hep to the Jive? Are you hep to the jive? Trust me, if you're listening right now, yeah, you are. This is Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Also, coincidentally, WCBN.org at the same time. I just got a call talking about Cab Calloway. A fellow mentioned that he would bring a rooster with him on the train when he would travel, and I thought that was a really wonderful idea because people don't do that, do they? Thank you for letting me for calling and telling me about that. And in fact, I looked just looked this up a little bit. It says on this uh, blog here called from the Oxford University Press, I should say. It says here, Cap Calloway was never a classically trained dancer. In fact, he learned movement by studying a rooster he brought with him on tour. That's amazing, Cap Calloway, learning from a rooster. Perhaps we can learn from goats, too, which are different animals, but this news from West Michigan, from Ottawa County Parks, beginning next month, the Ottawa County Parks is piloting an eco-friendly alternative for killing off invasive shrubs and plants. Goats will be grazing to their heart's content, in fact. Unlike other livestock, goats grazing on property prefer to eat woody, shrub-like plants. Some parks have had woody invasive species take root. Hungry goats will help the parks battle to eradicate them from the land. Using this innovative yet simple method reduces the need for herbicide application, is cost-effective, 
and allows access to locations where mowers or machinery could otherwise not reach. Goats grazing simulate mowing. Oh, I'm going to say that again. Goats grazing simulate mowing. Again, we have the great goatness of goats. This is a very existential show, this, this half hour. Initially, mowing stimulates growth. However, repeat applications of grazing goats has shown to eliminate 90% of invasive woody plants over three years. A herbicide follow-up treatment may be needed, they say, but such an application would be much lighter. Invasive plants being targeted include the bush honeysuckle, autumn olive, oriental bittersweet, poison ivy, and buckthorn. Thank you to the goats of Ottawa County for helping us out. Meanwhile, Passover is going on, and I want to say good thoughts and for all of our listeners who are commemorating Passover. Thank you. Thank you for listening, and a good week to you. This from the Associated Press. Many fish markets in the Great Lakes region are running short of whitefish, and it's coming at a bad time. Passover. Whitefish is a key ingredient in gefilte fish, which is a traditional Jewish dish that originates in Eastern Europe. Recipes vary, but it often consists of ground fish, vegetables such as onion and carrots, and bread crumbs formed into loaves or balls. The shortfall results partly from the bitterly cold winter that caused vast sections of the Great Lakes to freeze over. That ice cover kept some commercial fishing crews stuck in port. A drop in the whitefish population itself is also to blame. Kevin Dean of Superior Fish Company in Detroit said, near Detroit, said his latest shipment amounted to just 75 pounds, although he requested 500 pounds. So a shortage in gefilte fish. This is very, very serious. Let's see if this musical incantation can get the whitefish jumping, dancing, moving. Let's see. This is actually going to be quite the epic piece here. This is Slim Gaylord, and this is going to be matzo balls. Gefilte fish also figures in this heavily. Again, some heavy chicken action later. Heavy matzo ball and gefilte fish action right now. It goes like this. It's about... Take, take a little moment out of your time to really ponder all the things that he's going to say. Alright, right, you ready? Solid. Turn the cue no filter. Vooch. To the left of Outie. You ready? Solid. Voot, let's take off. Ready? Solid. Oh, Rooty, let's go. Ready? Vooty, Rooty. We'd like to beat out a little number title. What is it? <laughs> From the new picture, question mark, when the vouts come back to Capistrano. Solid. Root? Solid. Rooty, Rooty. Intro. Ready? Oh, wow. I'm gonna be going. 
Ah, computer Pedro, my buddy. Coming to you live from Billy Berg's in Hollywood on May 12, 1946. Slim Gaylord on guitar and vocals. Tiny Brown on bass and vocal. And it says here on the liner notes to this import collection called The Legendary McVoughty, the liner notes say, the drums were probably Scatman Crothers. How about that? This is Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Also, coincidentally, WCBN.org. It's quarter to seven at seven. Arwolf and Face the Music. In the meantime, Easter bunnies. My goodness, it's it's Easter coming up already. I think I thought that um, New Year's Day was about five days ago, and we were all in the deep, frozen deep, and now suddenly it's Easter, and I'm confused. So I went to Wikipedia to explain. Everything. Originally among German Lutherans, the Easter Hare originally played the role of a judge evaluating whether children were good or disobedient in behavior at the start of the season of Eastertide. 
Sounding a lot like another uh, holiday there. German immigrants brought the belief of the Easter Bunny to Sweden in the late 19th century. This is very important, but the tradition was never established. Instead, because of a misunderstanding of the Swedish word for the Easter Bunny, Paskharen, which pronunciation sounds very similar to Paskharlen, meaning the Easter man or the Easter wizard, the Swedish tradition of the Easter wizard bringing eggs for Easter was rooted in the early 20th century. The Easter wizard was seen as a more suitable symbol for the pagan Easter traditions of Sweden, where still today children dress up as witches for Easter, which sounds like a completely different holiday. I thought this was going to make me less confused. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, and speaking of confusion, let's talk about chickens in space, shall we? Okay? Okay. Now... This came in yesterday. This is an article by Nadia Drake of National Geographic. There was a beautiful picture, and here's what she said. She talked about the Chicken Nebula. The Chicken Nebula's beautiful, violent, stellar nursery. Wow. As on Earth, young stars in space can be a handful, she says. Blustery spasms produce violent, stellar winds, tantrums that carve bubbles and cavities into surrounding dust and gas. Just like a chicken, right? Belches of intense stellar radiation dump energy into these clouds, exciting atoms and causing them to glow. In a photo that appears on the National Geographic website just released by the European Southern Observatory, a hydrogen gas cloud blasted by these young, unruly stars is glowing red. This stellar nursery lives 7,300 light years away. It's parked near the feet of what's colloquially, colloquially called the Running Chicken Nebula, or more formally as the Lambda Centauri Nebula, which is basically the same thing. It's visible in the southern constellation of Centaurus. This particular cloud pictured on the website was cataloged in 1955 by Australian astronomer Colin Gum, which is why it bears the name Gum 41 and why it is an additional food reference. But it doesn't stop there. This is wonderful. Wikipedia says the Running Chicken Nebula contains Bach globules. Okay, the chicken contains a Bach. Bach globules are frequently a site of active star formation. However, no evidence for star formation has been found in any of the globules in this particular running chicken nebula. The chicken goes Bach, Bach. There are globules and stars are formed, I understand now. Now, while we're on the subject, there's chickens in space and then there's chicken of the sea. You should know, pardon me for mentioning a brand, but chicken of the sea... The famous brand of tuna has picked a name for the mermaid on the can for the first time in 60 years. There were more than 49,000 entries in a nationwide contest to name the mermaid on the chicken of the sea cans, and the winning entry is Catalina. Catalina is also the name of a historic island 22 miles off the west coast mainland and close to Chicken of the Sea's headquarters in San Diego. Chicken of the Sea is 100 years old this year. The company says it's awarding 100 community-minded individuals and nonprofits $10,000 each in 2014 to empower them to continue their charitable ways. But most importantly, the origin of the mermaid. What is the origin of the Chicken of the Sea mermaid? She was inspired in 1952 by actress and singer Grace Lee Whitney, Follow me now. Best known for her role as yeoman Janice Rand, the personal assistant to Captain James T. Kirk in the original Star Trek TV series, as well as five Star Trek films. Yes, another chicken in space. By the way, and for Chicken of the Sea's 40th anniversary way back then, uh, the company arranged for pinup sensation Betty Page to pose as the mermaid in Southern California supermarkets. But chickens in space, yes. Now, one more item here. This is chickens in near space. We've had been in space. We've been in the water. And now 
According to the Nashville Scene blog, last October, how could I have missed this? A couple of chicken breasts were sent to the edge of space. No, really, where they were cooked and returned to Earth for the enjoyment of a group of Nashvillians gathered downtown. Not Nashvillians, but Nashvillians. The event was a promotion for a relatively new brand of soy sauce and teriyaki glaze sold under the brand name Soy Vey. They had named the mission a Pollo 13. This hurts. The team constructed a vacuum-sealed capsule shaped to look like a bottle of the stuff, which they filled with a marinade made from their products. A heating element using an exothermic chemical reaction was included to actually cook the chicken during its almost two-hour journey into the ionosphere. Using a large weather balloon, they launched the capsule from Chickasaw Trace Park near Columbia, Tennessee, not to be confused with Columbia, where the chicken pile, uh, the chicken was eating the corn earlier, Columbia, Tennessee. After reaching an altitude of 104,572 feet, the balloon burst as planned, and a parachute deployed to slow the capsule's descent to terra firma and protect the one-pound poultry payload. A recovery team tracked the capsule by GPS and located it hanging from a tree somewhere near the outskirts of town. After the team rescued it, the chicken was brought back to Cumberland Park in Nashville, where a crowd had assembled all day listening to music and ready to eat chickens in space. Which reminds me of Ladysmith Black Mombazo. Because, you know, if they had brought a real chicken in space and it came back, it would probably bite you because it probably didn't like having that happen to it, you know? However, the good news is Ladysmith Black Mombazo, the wonderful vocal group singing in the Zulu language, has a song called Yange Luma in Cuckoo, The Biting Chicken. The biting chicken goes like this. Yang ilum and coco. Yang ilum, yang ilum and coco. Yang ilum, salo cuben cofisabeti. Yang ilum, ingo kainama zinu. Yang ilum, yang ilum and coco. Little <laughs> Hitting 
Yeah, that is Lee Smith Black Mombazo from South Africa from their collection Songs from a Zulu Farm. I tell you, I checked it out from the library and I thought they'd actually thrown the CD into a chicken coop because it had so many scratches, very distinct chicken-like scratches, I would say, on the surface of the disc, and yet it played just fine. I think if we want the chickens to protect what we need them to protect, they will protect things for us. That is true. That was a song from their album, Songs from a Zulu Farm. And the title of that song was Yonge Luma in Kuku, also known as The Biting Chicken. Let's wrap things up on Pandora's Lunchbox pretty soon because it's coming up on 7 and face the music time with our wolf. A few pieces of food news in the area. The Appleseed Collective, Appleseed is food. The Appleseed Collective plays at the Ark this Saturday, April 19th. And among restaurants around town opening, the Slurping Turtle Restaurant is opening in the old border space on Liberty Street featuring ramen bowls, tapas, and sushi. The grand opening for the Slurping Turtle Restaurant is this coming Monday, April 21st. And that's on Liberty Street. Now, we've heard about pardonings of turkeys. This is this is quite a conglomeration of uh, holidays coming together, and it's amazing. See, we've heard about turkeys being pardoned by presidents, but did you know that a lamb could be pardoned? Not just any lamb, but here it goes. This is from the Associated Press. Butter sculptures in the shape of a lamb are a traditional part of Easter meals among Buffalo, New York's large Polish-American population. Butter lambs are sold this time of year at Western New York delis, Polish markets, and supermarkets. Yesterday, an elected official went to Buffalo's Broadway market to pardon a butter lamb, much in the way U.S. presidents issue pardons for a turkey before Thanksgiving. The Erie County Executive pardoned a butter lamb from its traditional duties on tables throughout the Buffalo area for the duration of Easter. Polish immigrants brought the butter lamb tradition with them when they came to America and settled in large numbers in upstate New York cities such as Buffalo and Schenectady. The butter lamb has been pardoned. Hallelujah. Send in the chickens. Is that the Judy Collins song? I believe it is. Send in the chickens. I've been Mike for a while. This has been Pandora's Lunchbox for as long as it can be. Arif will help us to face the music in a moment. And I believe we have a reprise of matzo balls here from Slim Gaylord. But this time, Slim and Slam, Slim Gaylord and Slam Stewart are going to take us out with another interpretation of matzo balls, also referencing the gefilte fish, which apparently there is a shortage of. But let's hope that with two gefilte fish songs in one show, that shortage will come to an end soon. This is WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Thank you for listening. Don't stop doing that. Listen on WCBN.org too and get a load of this. Well, the matzo balls, the fish, 
second best audition I ever, ever had. Now matzo balls and gavilta fish makes you order up an extra dish. Matzo balls, gavilta fish, really, really, really very fine. Now you put a little horseradish on it and make it very mellow because it really knocks you right on out. Seven o'clock, WCBN FM, Ann Arbor. Our Wolf, Our Wolf, Face the Music. Thank you, Mike. That was most helpful. I'd like to present another hour of music uh, radio of questionable content. This is the third part in a series of radio shows where the uh, mostly the titles have uh, are in the form of questions, although occasionally you get a song where you're just getting plied with questions even though it's not uh, evident by the title necessarily. But this first title is a question. It's uh, in the form of a piano solo recorded in London in 1926 by George Gershwin, and he wrote the thing. It's called When Do We Dance? (laughs) 